But what is important is gravity. I have to remind you, Sally, this is my week off. Uh, you can't kill me, Matrix. You need me to find your daughter. Where is she? I don't know. But cook those. I'll take you where I'm supposed to meet her. But you won't. Why not? Because I already know. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Matrix. You did. I lied. Oh, here we go again. Hey, everybody. It's us again. Yep, it's your two dads. Really is your two this time. And a guest. We are coming at you this time with a uh, something near dear to me just because of my own hobby and my own interests. We've got Jason Meisky. He's a triple threat. He's a dad. He's a veteran and he's a writer. So he's kind of hitting us in our sweet spots here. We've got our current uh, series. <laughs> I say current because it's current to us, but no one's really heard any of it yet. <laughs> uh, but our, our current series of uh, veteran interviews with uh, with dads that were in the service and or service related industry and uh, and finding out, you know, how, how that affected them. We're hoping to do that again today. And uh, as I said, we got Jason Meisky and I know all about you. Uh, just briefly, uh, you have a podcast called the Sample Chapter Podcast. As I said, you're an Air Force veteran, and you're also a writer. So um, other than that, why don't you give us a little bit of your origin story, fill in the, uh, the gaps, so to speak. Oh, boy, my, <clears throat> my origin story. Well, I'm, I'm the uh, world's best assistant manager. <laughs> uh, I've, <laughs> I've been an assistant manager at about four or five different places in my, in my lifetime uh, after the military. <clears throat> Um, no, just a, a family guy. Uh, I've always, I, I knew from a young age, I wanted to be a dad. I was looking forward to a big family and, uh, looking for, um, you know, just what would, uh, the right person that was going to put that together. Fortunately, I found my, my Juliet and, uh, yeah, life has been really good. I've been really blessed and, uh, getting to follow my dreams now with, uh, my writing and uh, grandkids and just <laughs> having a, having a good time with it. Right. Uh, apparently a much happier ending than for the original Juliet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did see the picture uh, that you have on Facebook and you have like a giant family. It's, it looks like it's uh, Thanksgiving or something in my house because you've got so many people there. That's really yeah. cool. Um, speaking of, and I'm sure that they're all significantly older now than our children, but uh, what are, how many kids do you have? What, you know, how old are they now? Yeah, we have, uh, we have four kids, uh, two boys, two girls, and the boys are on the front and back with the girls in the middle, they're actually Irish twins. I think is what they call them. 11 months apart. <laughs> and, uh, say so our, my, our son is, uh, he's going to be 31 here in a couple of weeks. And then we have a 27 year old, 26 year old, and then, um, 19 year old is oh, our youngest. The and baby of the group. Yeah. The baby. Yeah. And then we have so far, we've got, uh, six, seven grandkids now. Wow. So yeah, they're nice. keeping us busy. <laughs> And the the picture does imply this, but do you guys all kind of live close together? We do actually. Yeah, that was the surprising thing was uh, we settled in back where I was born, and it just kind of our, our oldest son had already moved home uh, from the military while my wife was serving, and after a couple of years, he moved into our area. Our girls haven't gone very far, and. Um, our youngest son, he's the only one with aspirations to, he wants to move like to other Canada or go to Japan. 
because uh, he loved it while we were there. And uh, but otherwise, yeah, everybody's local, and uh, it, it's been pretty nice. We've been pretty spoiled as as parents and grandparents. Uh, yeah, that that is uh, that's a good way to put it. Spoiled because typically, e- even even when you're kind of close, you're still like you know sometimes a state away or something like that. So the fact that you yeah. are all kind of uh, within a decent distance, that's, that's really something to be grateful for. And that was something that we kind of had a, in mind when my wife got out of the military was that, uh, we were trying to decide where we wanted to move and where we wanted to settle. And we had loved our time in Colorado Springs. We really thought about going there, but we ultimately decided like, well, let's go back to Missouri where there was a place that, uh, where we, where we settled into, there was an air base nearby, there's a college nearby. Uh, we were just a couple hours away from our, both of our families, and there were cousins in the uh, immediate area, so we thought, well, let's let's move back there. We'll let our kids grow up for what little time they have left around their cousins, and they can hang out and do things that they hadn't been able to do for the last, you know, 15, 16 years, and uh, try that out. And yeah, it worked out pretty nice. Right on. It's almost like if you were writing the story, like that's how you would have it. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Interesting that you are also uh, from the South. It seems like the majority of our listeners are excuse me from the south we are in uh tennessee i'm uh, born and raised here dan is a transplant but he is he's fit right in for the most part (laughs) but yeah it's just weird that i don't know must be the accent it just draws it's like magnet draws more the same or i suppose it would draw the opposite at that point but whatever yeah i never i never noticed i had an accent until uh until i was in alaska and then everybody (laughs) was just like oh my gosh where are you from alabama (laughs) (laughs) relatively close i suppose but um yeah yeah, i I didn't notice that i had one until i joined the army and then when i was made fun of it for an extended period of time i decided that i would do everything i could to lose it and (laughs) uh, i think i did for a while because when i first came back people you know were like oh you from here you don't have an accent but it's definitely kind of come back um, you know after all these years i've been home so (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and take this. Uh, I'll start out first. Uh, I usually force Dan to to jump in here and, and lead the way, but I'm going to give him a, a bit of a break, if only because talking makes my nervousness go down. Not sure why. Not sure if it's your profession or something, you know, being of uh, interest to me or something, but the the anxiety was a little bit higher today than normal. Um, so, but we're going to start with, uh, I guess, the next best thing to being a dad, uh, or at least the next thing on the list anyways. And that was your time in the Air Force. And I know that, or at least Facebook tells me you spent three years in there, real close mm-hmm. to what I spent in the Army. And most of the people that we have or are going to talk to spent quite a bit more time in the service than we did. They're usually retired. But be that uh, with that being said, how would you say that the Air Force shaped you, if at all, uh, in terms of being a dad? Oh, wow. Um that's tough. I, you know, I came in with a lot of aspirations. I was looking forward to, I just met uh, the the woman that I married, that I was going to marry. I just met her like a few months before we fell in love. Um, and then I left for basic training. And uh, so we were kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to really try and do this or not. And uh, while I was in, we split up and then got back together later on. And uh, so my aspirations at the beginning was like, I was looking forward to finding something I could do in the military and either have a nice career or 
find something that I could take with me outside the military. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll learn how to work on airplanes and jets and, you know, find some kind of a career like that. But I didn't have the test scores for that kind of thing. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're good. You're good as a taxi driver. <laughs> so that was, that was my job. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was, that was interesting. I spent all my time sitting on the flight line, waiting on the, uh, the air crews, but you know, I, even though I, I wasn't a big fan of my job, I found that I was good at uh, different aspects of it. I could learn how to do things. And that was something that was really cool to me was discovering that part of me for the first time in my life was, you know, I can apply myself and learn how to do something and do it really well. And even though I had some NCOs that I didn't get along the best with, they couldn't, you know, um, they couldn't look away from how well I did my job. And, uh, you know, and that was something that was good. And that was something I took with me later on was and wanted to impress upon my kids was that no matter what your job is, learn how to do it well and do it in a manner that's going to reflect on you in a good way, in a positive way. So even if you're just bagging up trash, you know, go the extra mile, look around, make sure you got all the trash, make it so that when somebody comes in, they say, Hey, Jason did that. You know, he always does a good job. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy with my kids that they, they kind of took on to that and, you know, never with the housework um, that I wanted them to do or clean the rooms, but I wasn't that good with it either at their, at their age. But yeah, that was, I think that's what I took from my, uh, my time in the military was that I could learn to do other things and I could learn to do them well. Right. on. that is, I think for any branch, that is something that a lot of us can come away saying, you know, even if we didn't love our job or we, we didn't like it in general, being in the military. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of have to learn to do things, different things, and to do them well, and and, and to do it kind of fast too. Yeah. So it, it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, I do have an, another question that kind of will uh, branch off from that, but before I get there, I did want to let Dan jump in here and get uh, with what the show is basically about. Uh, get us a dad question. Um, so what do you got there, Dan? Yeah, um, you're your decision to pursue the military was that your own i know it's your own choice but like was that your own influence or did you have maybe an uncle father grandfather influence you you know that they did it and you wanted to kind of like follow in their footsteps sort of yeah i had i wasn't really sure what i was going to do i knew i didn't have a college fund i didn't have a lot of options so uh, I was talking with my dad about it one day and he was like, well, you know, you could join the military. Um, he was recommending maybe not going to the army or, you know, Navy or anything else. He was like, yeah, you know, go try the air force out. And we knew a family friend who was in the air force. And uh, so we, we went and visited that, which was just funny. And, you know, to think about today is like, I went and visited an air force base to see what it was like. And it's like, okay, but that's nothing about what the life is like. <laughs> And, uh, but, but it was, it was still good. I got to talk to my uncles and they were, have a uncle that was in Vietnam. Um, I've got grandparents, um, and, uh, you know, different uh, grand uncles, a lot of, a lot of history in the military with my family. And so, yeah, that was something that during my senior year that, that spring, I started kind of going around and talked to a recruiter to see what was available and what I could do. Um, I didn't ask enough questions, uh, you know, thus the story with the job I ended up with. Um, otherwise, I could have ended up like working at the gym or uh, you know in journalism or something else that I was in- really interested in, but I didn't know to ask some of those questions at that point. But yeah, that was that's where that came from. Right on. Um, 
what about your kids? Have they, have they come to you and said, Hey, you know, what's this all about? Or that they, sh- I wasn't here when you guys were talking, but did any of them pursue military careers based on anything you told them or watching you go through it? Uh, no, they haven't yet. I mean, I guess they've still got some time uh, if they wanted to. Um, they, uh, but you know, I think they, they enjoyed just being a, a military brat and going from place <laughs> to place and uh, doing that, but then they got the inside look at it. Um, I think they're pretty happy with their knowledge of going different states and, and outside the country, living in Japan for a while, like we did. So they got to see that. And um, I think they're just taking those experiences for now and using it and applying it towards their uh, job, their jobs right now. But yeah, so surprisingly, none of them, none of them join, uh, which my wife and I, since we were both in, we thought, okay, well, somebody will probably join, but no, <laughs> none of them did. <laughs> Yeah, my dad was, uh, my dad would, he served in the army back in, the, I think the eighties. And, uh, when it, when I became closer of age and of age to, you know, sign up and stuff, he said, that's, you know, that's an option. I'm not going to force you to do anything, obviously, but it's your choice. But it's mm-hmm. like, that is an option if you want to, if you want to go that route. And if you don't, I'll still, I'll still love you the same. It's not like you have to do that, but you know, it's an option. And he kind of told me, you know, this is what you can expect if you, you know, he just kind of laid it all out for me and yeah. I chose not, I didn't, I didn't choose to do it. I chose to go to school, but, um, but yeah. 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 That, that was kind of my, my dad, he was, he was very open about, it. he was, Oh, you know, I mean, I don't want you to just go find a factory job or do something right. else and be stuck, you know, feeling stuck. Then he was, I'd rather you get out and kind of have some experiences that you can then use yeah and and see what you can do and if nothing else you know i could do a couple of years do my four years was the plan and then get out with the gi bill and go from there um i just i got out uh, at three years medically uh, after an accident so but uh yeah it is what it is i can understand the uh the medical side of things my well i got out exactly as i was supposed to but i was supposed to go to afghanistan and mm-hmm. it was a medical uh, issue that that got me out of that and then out of the army entirely um so uh, i know how that goes but um kind of taking things i just broke my pen on accident so taking things back to uh you know further uh, back into the air force even though we were both in you know three years for you four years for me there's things that you know things about it that i miss and i was just wondering you know what do you miss about the air force and not necessarily that you want to go back in it but what, you know, when you look back, what do you look back on uh, fondly? Um, I guess the, uh, the stability was something I, I really like, you know, I can look back on that and go like, man, that was nice to have a guaranteed paycheck, uh, you know, twice a month. And uh, you knew what date it was coming. And it's like, yep, just open up your bank account. There it is. Like, yep. First and 15th. And uh, that was nice. Uh, medical, dental, uh, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> you know, it was, it was good to have regular dental cleanings and uh <laughs> yeah and even so even with medical or like even disabled we don't get dental so that's yeah problem. exactly yep um so yeah there was those kinds of things and then um getting to i didn't know that i wanted to travel i didn't think i would really enjoy traveling i was i was always kind of a homebody i was looking forward to staying home but i really loved my time in alaska and uh whenever my wife joined we went to a few different places and then like I said, overseas and yeah i I just tried to enjoy each one for the best of what was available to us. And I really liked that. It was really cool. I mean, it's like right now I'm in San Antonio and I'm I'm having a good time just kind of checking some things out and then doing my work that I need to get done while I'm here. 
Right on. That's cool. Yeah, I I am kind of similar. I would much prefer to stay home, but then when I when you actually force me to go somewhere, typically I'm like, oh wow, that was really fun, and I you know I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more thing, I, at least maybe entirely. My notes are kind of messy, and it's hard to read even my own handwriting. But uh, one thing specifically about the military, you kind of touched on this, and I was curious. You said that your children seem to, or you, I inferred that your children enjoyed the, the military brat lifestyle. And that's typically not the, the case. Usually moving from place to place like that, the uh, children, at least on TV, I've never uh, spoken to, to more than maybe one or two in, in my life uh, in person, but they typically don't like that, the instability of being able, unable to, you know, to make uh, long-term relationships. But you, mm. uh, you seem to say that your children did kind of like that. And I was wondering if that was the case, like, did they by and large enjoy that uh worldwide uh, traveling uh, type of lifestyle they they did um i mean we our, our final three years were in japan and that was such a unique experience for them i mean we had plus that was the advent of uh social media really coming online facebook was only a year or two old at that point um so we kind of fibbed just a little bit on their ages let our girls have social media our son was already old enough to do it um, and then of course not the youngest one. Um, so they were able to stay in touch with some of their friends, uh, from the previous base in Colorado and, uh, go forward from there. But the, the base in Japan, it's, it's just a tight knit community and everything's fenced in. You gotta have a, you know, a, a pass to be able to get on base. And we were for the most part, pretty okay with letting them, you know, if they want to run down to the movie theater, um, they could walk around everywhere they wanted to go. And and at times they even went off base for, cause some of the best ice cream you've ever had in the world was right outside the gate near our house. And uh, so they could go there. Um, yeah. They just kind of had the run of the place and uh, there was buses that ran around. So if they need to go to the far side of the base for like a different pool or uh, uh, the bowling alley was on the other side of the base, that kind of stuff, they knew how the buses ran and that they could go catch a bus and okay. Yeah. You know, the last bus is at, you know, whatever time they got to catch that last one so they can get back. Otherwise they're walking all the way <laughs> you know, home again. But I think that was, that was part of it. And then since we left Japan, they've been able to stay in touch with all those friends. And so that's just kind of been a very uh, special space uh, for them. Right on. That's cool. You're actually making me nostalgic for that, like <laughs> almost small town community feel of living on base. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did, uh, you know, take a, a bit of the time. So I wanted to get, throw things back here today. I'm trying <clears> to <throat> keep things snappy, keep things moving back and forth. So uh, give us something else, Dan, just anything that's going to break all our records and blow all minds. <laughs> all right. I'll jump right in with the the, the dad stuff head first here. Um, it's a two-parter. I like to ask most dads that I'm available to do this with. Um, guest, guest dads. What? It's a two-parter. When you found out you were having kids, what was the best piece of advice a friend, an uncle, mom, dad, whatever gave you? And then what is the best piece of advice you could give either a new dad that just had their kid or any any struggling dad or any kind any dad really? Um <clears throat> best piece of advice I got when I was becoming a dad would be that you'll never regret time spent with your kids. And and I would expand that out to your family. Um, you'll never regret that time. Um, always enjoy it. Always make the time, you know, because 
you know, we can all make a lot of money and uh, do things, but that time with your kids is something that you don't get back. And, you know, you can hope to have rebuild a relationship when they get older, that kind of stuff. But man, those memories of playing in the yard with your kids or uh, you know, doing something in the, with them as they grow up, going to their recitals and, and school plays and um, even learning new math, which I still can't, um, you know, that kind of stuff. They, they remember that they remember that. Right. And, you know, and we can all think back to times when we were kids yep. and things that our parents did that they probably have no idea that we think about it, but we do, we remember these little moments with our own yep. parents of like, yeah, I remember helping my dad gather wood and he's going, you remember that? And you know, it's, you know, different yep. things like that. <laughs> so yeah, I had, uh, as you were saying that I had memories coming back of like <laughs> just little, little things I got to do with my dad or my mom or even my cousins or uncles or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah, continue. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and then the, I guess the second part of that uh, for, for dads and I've, I've expanded this to my kids as they've gotten older and they were you know, going to become a dad. I've told them something that my wife and I, um, that we agreed upon is that we, my wife and I, we put our relationship first. Um, we, we found, um, that the, the relationship of husband and wife, that needs to be the bedrock, um, that we need to be able to get along and, and we're going to argue, we're going to you know not get along sometimes, but we're going to be on the same page for taking care of the kids and, uh, for helping things out. Because as long as we can have a good relationship, the kids are always going to see that they're always going to feel that. And so that was our our thing. And I've, I've expressed that to my kids is that, you know, Hey, work on your relationship with your you know, significant other, with, with your wife, your husband, whatever, you know, build that up strong. Uh, so that, that way, when you're having kids, they're going to see that as well. And, you know, separations happen, things like that happen, you know, and then that's when you start rebuilding some things, but you know, when you're in it, go all out, do everything you can. I've had you know, a few moments in my life, uh, with my wife where I'm, I'm kind of looking in the mirror going like, man, am I doing everything right? You know, I've made some missteps and I've done things where I'm like, oh, that was just stupid, stupid, stupid. And, uh, you know, go back and, and, uh, work on it. And it, it's always a work in progress, but I don't regret it at all. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that I married my best friend and, um, my kids, you know, I think they, they see that they know that we're, my wife and I are very, very much in love and, We've always got each other's back. Yeah, that that's um that's something that's very important. Um, I have a daughter, one one kid, but she's you know I have a little girl, and that's something my wife, from day one, it was kind of always there in the back of my head when I found out I was having a girl. But hmm. um, that we need we need to set the example for her of how she's supposed to be, of course. And then I, as the father and a, as a the man figure in her life, I need to set the example of what kind of man she needs to look for. Exactly. Not not treat my wife like shit. And because you know, that's what she's going to go after if she sees that all the time. So I need to that's something I'm trying to be conscious of. Like, hey, even if you've had a bad day or even if she's done something to make you mad, walk away for a few minutes, let it go and come back and, and just try to get past it and show, like you said, show the love to my wife so that my daughter can see, oh, hey, I'm supposed to be loved. I'm not supposed to be abused or, or whatever from mm-hmm. the partner i decide to choose later on so yeah right. that's that's definitely very important especially yeah. for i've it's it's important for Corey to do it too 
but I think girl dads, that's kind of, uh, more of a, it weighs more, it weighs a lot on me. Um, you know, times when I realize, Hey, I'm kind of being a little, little snippy. I need to, you know, chill out, go calm down, take a breath. It's not that bad, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, that's, that's very, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, yeah, you want, I want my daughters to see that, Hey, I want you to find a guy, you know, doesn't have to be like me, but I want right. you to find somebody that's going to treat you the way I treat your mom. Yeah. And at the same time, I want my boys to see that, Hey, me saying sorry is not making me less of a man. You know, yes. that makes you, that makes you more of a man to admit when you're wrong instead of going like, well, you know, screw it. Just move on, you know, accept yeah. it, you know, whatever. It's like, no, yeah. you know, make things right. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's, People will, I found out that just in, you know, my short adulthood life or whatever, that if you do that, if you, if you own up to a, a mess up or something that people, people have more respect for you and they, mm-hmm. they think even though you messed up, they don't, they don't, they're like, oh, at least you told me, you know, you didn't try to hide it. I remember mm-hmm. I did it. Corey and I used to work together and uh, at a car dealership and I barely scratched one of the brand new cars right off the truck. And, uh, as soon as I got back to the, I didn't want to, of course, that feeling inside, oh no, try to hide it, you know, but no, I was like, no, I <laughs> yeah. gotta, I went, I waited. I was like, Hey, where's, where's so-and-so. And they're like, they'll, they'll be right back. They had to step out. I'm like, all right, well, I ain't doing nothing until they get here. And they're like, what happened? I was like, Nope, I'm telling my boss and <laughs> you'll find out, trust me. Cause word yeah. spreads. But I went right up to her and I said, Hey, look, I messed up. Uh, I said, I'll, I'll make it right. If I need to do whatever you gotta do. And they're like, no, that's why we got insurance. I'm like, okay. But I just want to let you know, I did mess up. Here it is, you know, and they're like, well, I, we appreciate you telling me so that, you know, but my dad instilled, you know, that and hard worker, like you were saying earlier, be do it to the best of your ability. Give it all you got. Even if even a hundred percent of 70% is better than no percent at all. And, you know, if you're, if you're having a bad day, but you can still give it that 100, 100% of what you got, it's better than saying, ah, the hell with it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to uh, take back over for a short bit uh, we met, we were talking briefly through messenger about this and i just wanted to be sure to get to this because i think i mentioned to you it's kind of important to me being uh, on one side of this you've been the provider and you've been the stay-at-home dad and by and large men that are stay-at-home dads are looked at with um, a little bit less than you know respect i would say uh, as if it is the easier job of the two, which at the same time is disrespecting, you know, mothers who, who do the same thing. And I just wanted to get uh, a little bit of your opinion on what actually is, what difficulties are actually involved in being the stay at home dad and why it is not just arbitrarily the easier job of the two. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was an interesting time in my life. I spent six years uh being the stay-at-home dad taking care essentially raising the girls uh because they were uh they were two and one when my wife joined and my wife joined she joined a few years after i got out Um, i went about a few different odd jobs doing whatever i had to do to to work and then um uh, she came to me one day and she was like i think i need to join the military she she'd been praying and like had this overwhelming feeling and we explored it and it was amazing like everything that fell into place. And she was the first woman to ever join with, with three kids. And uh, yeah. And, and then, uh, then she becomes a chaplain assistant uh, in the military. The job opened up the day that she went in to find out about it. So it was like, okay, 
something's going on. So wow. yeah, we'll we'll follow that and and uh, yeah. see what happens. <laughs> um, she signed me up for some correspondence courses in writing at that time. So uh, that's what I was doing while I was home raising the kids and and that was um, that was some fun times. I was five years in Minot, North Dakota, and then a year in Colorado before they were old enough to start going to school and and. Uh, um, then I was like, okay, I need to start moving on, doing something. But you know, I I, I kind of smile though still because there's a lot of, of fun memories thinking about um, the girls and learning things about girls that I did not know, like how messy they will get, how much they will go out and play in the dirt, just like I did. Um, I remember my wife telling me, like, hey, uh, make sure and give them a bath. They're going to, you know, we're going to do something later in the afternoon. Like, okay. Yeah. Great. So I get up, give them a bath. Great. Get them dressed. Um, and then they're like, well, we want to go outside and play. It's, okay. Yeah. You can go outside and play. That's fine. My wife comes home for lunch. Where's the girls? Well, they're playing, you know, out in the yard. I think they're on the swing set or something. I just looked out there and they were playing there. That's where they were. Now, now they're overplaying. Um, somebody in the months previous to us moving into this place had dumped a, a fish tank, <laughs> the gravel oh. outside. Oh. So here's all this colorful gravel. And my daughters thought, oh, that's a sign of where the dinosaurs are buried. <laughs> <laughs> so they're digging for dinosaur bones and just covered head to foot in dirt and mud. And I'm just going like, oh my gosh, like, I, what are you doing to me? And my wife was looking at me too, like, what are you doing? Like, are you doing? <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I swear they just did this. But uh, yeah, little moments like that. Um, yep. But at the same time, I we for a long time we kept a uh, a journal that we just wrote down little things the kids would say. And I, I still remember one of my favorite moments was my uh, I'm sitting down, I'm reading a little bit while they're playing on the floor, and <laughs> my daughters are sitting back to back on the, on the living room floor playing with something different, and one of them. Uh, Oh, one of them sneezed and the other one says, uh, you know, God bless you. And it says, oh, you're welcome. Or thank you. You know, says, you're welcome. And it was just this cute little exchange. Neither one of them ever turned around. Never, neither one of them ever stopped playing. They just continued on like it was just nothing to it. And I'm just watching this and, you know, I'm starting to tear up going, oh my gosh, my, my daughters are so cute and they're just so friendly and, and kind and, uh, I don't always think that about them, but you know, mm-hmm. back then they they were sure sweet when they were kids, and uh, yeah, just it it was different learning how to, uh, you know, I, I became the the person who would prepare the meals and prepare uh, breakfast. I'd get up and make sure my wife had a good breakfast before she went to work, um, you know, making lunches, and then there my first year in i just i ballooned up i was like 265 pounds i was just drinking you know a couple of liters of soda a day and lots of m&ms because you got to have you know your vices while you're trying to write and you know, I'm, I'm trying to write while they're napping and stuff and uh, then it became a matter of okay how can i work out and get that in instead and it it lots of ups and downs and learning along the way but fortunately uh, they, we made it through and they don't think back too harshly of me. I think, um, I think uh, it, it was equally as tough over the years, whenever my wife would deploy a few times, um, like I said, she was a chaplain assistant. So she's the chaplain's bodyguard. 
anytime they would deploy. Now, my wife is five foot, but she will kick some ass. And uh, <laughs> she was telling me, I, I was turning totally green with envy because she's telling me about, oh, yeah, we went out and we're shooting off the uh, M60s and some grenade launchers. And I learned the spin kick move and I can do this. Here, you stand like this. And anytime she says that, I'm going like, whoa, hang on. Like, what, what am I expecting here? I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be on the floor looking up with it, but. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, and she always ended up deploying with a chaplain who was like six foot. Uh, but, uh, you know, whenever she would deploy, then I'm, I'm alone with the kids again for six months, nine months. And uh, that was that was interesting as well, because, you know, to do that the first two times she deployed, it was during that period when I was home. The uh, last time she deployed, I was working. I was had become an assistant manager at a theater at that point in uh, Colorado. And that was a whole different experience that I do not want to do over again. Because uh, by then we had all four kids. And, uh, you know, our oldest was, was going through teenage angst and wanting to learn how to drive. And our daughters were doing school stuff as well. And our youngest had just started school. And. Uh, and I'm, I've got expectations at work as well. And it was just a lot of hair pulling and and uh, trying to focus on kids first, then work, then these other things. And I, I don't know how well I did in some of that. Um, they have to tell me if if they think it went all right or not. But I, I guess we, we survived. So <laughs> that's a that's one good thing about it. Yeah, you um you kind of gave us I feel like what was a. Uh, a little bit of the surface of a whole lot that we could really dive into if we <laughs> yeah. had the time. Uh, the, just the the deployments that your wife went on and, and how she would have to you know rejoin the family and, and readjust to that. Like mm. we could talk about that for who knows how long. But I uh, do not want to keep you here all night long. And I am uh, ready to move on to my uh, next kind of section here as long as uh, Dan has you know, a chance to to get whatever else that he might have had planned. Go ahead, Dan, with whatever else you might have had on your mind. Yeah, one more quick thing. It was actually while you were talking, you said uh, you spent some time in in Minot, North Dakota. Yeah. Did you live there? We did. <clears throat> okay, right. Um, my sis, I was, I have a half sister. My dad had her before uh, she was eighty four, and I'm ninety, so he's about six years older than me, and um. She lives in Stanley, which is about an hour west, I think, of, of okay. Minot. So when you said that, I just, I was like, wow, yeah, I've been there. I know right <laughs> where you're talking about. Like, so I, I just thought that was pretty cool. What did you, uh, what did you make of North Dakota? I have my own opinions. Uh, it was uh, a lot windier than I expected. It was uh, a little colder than I was expecting, but, uh, you know, it was actually kind of cool. Uh, we, it was a nice family area. We were surprised by that. Um, yeah. Didn't have to lock your cars. Didn't have to uh, worry about that. Cause everybody's, you know, you, you pull in somewhere, you got to leave it running. So it doesn't freeze. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and once I learned where, where's a good place to go fishing and catch some of the pike up there, that was, it was, it was on from there. I was taking <laughs> the kids and we were catching, you know, 30 pound, 40 pound pike and, uh, that was a blast. Um, so we, we had a, a pretty good time up there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we went up to see her at Christmas time and that year it snowed. Oh my God. It snowed like three, I think three feet in like 18 <laughs> or no, it like three feet in 24 hours or something crazy like that. It was, 
it was insane. Like the, we rented a car cause we drove like idiots and, um, it was like literally up to the back trunk lid, like up over the trunk almost when we woke <laughs> up that next morning, we, my dad and I both looked at each other like, what the hell? <laughs> um, I mean, where I'm from, my dad and I are from New Hampshire, so we're kind of used to the snow, but not that much snow. Like that was more than we've probably seen in a long, long, long time. And it was mm. cold. Like you said, windy and cold. Oh yeah. my God. It was, it was bad. And the, the thing <laughs> I, I mean, like you said, the people are great, um, from the ones I've met and you know, the, the, like you said, it's, it reminds me a lot of where I grew up. Cause I grew up in a town of like 500 people and my sister, the town she lives in is a lot like that. So it, it very nostalgic for me of where I grew up. And, uh, but yeah, it was flat. I grew up in the mountains. I still, we live, Corey and I live in the mountains and I, uh, I just, I don't like the flat. I don't, I don't like looking over and seeing the next town look like it's an inch tall, you know, <laughs> road. I don't, that's not my thing, but it was I mean, the sunsets were gorgeous, but yeah, I just yeah. too cold, too much snow, <laughs> too flat for me, but the people were we, great. Uh, so. We actually arrived in Minot. <clears throat> we were driving up the, the summer of 99 and my wife's birthday is 4th of July and we had to be there by like the 6th. So we had to go ahead and drive on her birthday, but she got the coolest birthday present ever in the drive up there because we go to uh, what was that Bismarck and then you turn north. Mm -hmm. And that highway, when you're passing by all the giant lakes, everybody's shooting off fireworks. And it was just the most Ooh. gorgeous thing we'd ever seen. Just fireworks everywhere. The kids were just, ooh, and an ah, and all <laughs> along the ways. And I'm trying to just like focus on the road, but I'm I'm also just looking at we're going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, look at that one, look at that one. And that was a really cool experience. <clears throat> all right. Well, I didn't want to speak if Dan was going to keep talking. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, I just so want to get there. There was something. When he said that, I was like, oh, wow, my, I've not many people know of, of my not unless they've been there. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, lived in Colorado and never got any further north than uh, Mount Rushmore. So I can't speak much to any further north and south uh, Dakota myself, but I, I imagine it's less of all those things you talked about. Um, at least it was in Colorado. Uh, so anyways, moving on to what might be more of a personal interest, but Dan, feel free to take this back to any topic that you feel when I throw it to you. Uh, you are a writer and I never, growing up, I was, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a writer. But ha being an adult, I never actually have wanted to try to publish anything. It's more always just a hobby, something I have fun with, something I try to incorporate with, with whatever project I'm doing. And so this has always been, uh, you know, kind of like something I've wanted to do. I've wanted to, at one point, I was going to try to get a few um, comic book writers from my youth that I had mm. like really been attached to growing up. Mm -hmm. And I got a, a really positive negative from the first one. And then the, uh, the writer strike hit. And I was like, suddenly like, well, can they talk about anything? And well, I'll just wait for this to end. And then there was a Comic Con and and now there's another Comic-Con and apparently they all got COVID there. So I just keep putting it off and off and off, mostly just because I don't want to get rejected again. But be that as it may, I'm going to take these questions uh, just kind of in the order that I wrote them in no, spe no specific uh, significance. I was wondering, first and foremost, uh, have you uh, met any famous authors yet? 
you know, any anybody that you were, I guess it doesn't even need to be famous necessarily, just someone that you yourself was like uh, a fan of. Uh, yeah, um, Met is a interesting way to put it, just because of my own podcast, I've interviewed uh, more than 200 authors in, in my time. The show's on my sixth year. Um, I've met a few authors at uh, Comic-Con. Brandon Sanderson would be one guy I oh, met yeah, he's a few huge, years back. Yeah, yeah and then after he did his uh, big thing, uh, gosh, is that a year ago or less than a year ago, where he did a uh, uh, wanted to raise some money and it was like just blew up to like 30 million. I think it was um, the biggest ever so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was cool to meet um through my show i've met uh steve alton who wrote the the meg book oh uh, so right on i've actually yeah. I, I was like that sounds familiar but i'm not going to pretend to know who yeah. that is yeah so th there was the new the movie that came out and the sequel that just came out as well yeah he wrote those books and so that was really cool because i i had a special uh, bond with that that first book the meg um I my wife got me that book knowing it, it was okay here monster book you're gonna like this it's a giant shark I was like, yeah, okay cool she got me that when our second daughter was born and our first daughter was coming up on a year old so they took her to go do photos and I sat down for like a day with my newborn and just read that book to her uh -huh. uh, and she's just you know a couple of days old or a week old or whatever I sat down and read that book and held on to her and, and just I went through it like in a day. And it was just such a cool book. And I told him that when I talked to him on the show and, and he was laughing because he had just had a, uh, had a little girl as well at the, about the same time. So we had a little bit of back and forth with that. That was a, a pretty cool moment. Um, Diane Franklin was an eighties actress that I met. She was in uh, better off dead with John Cusack. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and others. Um, and then uh, one of my personal favorites uh, as far as famous people goes was Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> All right. He's uh, in one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Um, which one's that? Uh, Young guns. Well, young guns, yeah. young guns too. I was, I was kind of like we were talking before about being nervous or anything. I mean, I still get nervous or anything, but yeah, I was I was all like, I'm getting ready to talk to Chavez. I'm getting ready to talk to Chavez. I'm getting ready to talk to Chavez. <laughs> I was totally stoked about this. And it's funny, I told him this story afterwards, uh, but I'm I'm listening to him. I see his video, I see his audio, but he's talking to his wife and he's trying to figure out how to get things set up. She's helping him get everything set up, and I'm nervous and nervous. But then he uh once they get set up, and she's like, Okay, yeah, and then you know, this is all set up and this is all done. And then you're good to go. He goes, all right, great. Thanks a lot, babe. I appreciate it. She goes, and don't forget after this, you got to walk the dog and we got laundry to do. He goes, oh, <laughs> yes, ma'am. I know. As <laughs> soon as I heard that, it was just like, okay, that's right. Yep. He, we're both, He's we're both normal. <laughs> yeah. We're both human. We're both normal. And I told him that and afterwards and he was just cracking up and he's like, yeah, man, I put my pants on one leg at a time. And it was, it was hilarious. So we oh, had, a, had a great chat. So that was a lot of fun. That's so cool. Um, was that in reference to his role in the the Longmire series? I don't know. I didn't. I see that's one of the series I haven't gotten into yet. Um, that I, I I think I've seen the first two episodes, and then I got sidetracked with other stuff going on, and never got to go back to it. But I, that's one I keep people keep telling me like, you you read the books, you need to like check it out. So I was like, I know, I know, I need to. Yeah, I um <laughs> I have yet to read the books because I like what little I did read was really spot on like with the show. And I'm like, well, this is all, if this is all going to be, you know, just 
basically the same story. I, I'm going to have to take some time before I can go back and really read it. But uh, it was a really great show and he was mm -hmm. really great in it. Uh, I did, uh, before I go on to uh, more questions, I was curious, uh, having interviewed so many different writers, like how is it to, uh, you know, schedule some of these? Well, I consider Lou, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips to be pretty famous. So mm. like, do you have to kind of schedule them way in advance? Do you tend to keep in touch, like just in, in case or like what kind of uh, special techniques do you use to hook these people? Uh, luck, really, to get connected with them. Um, I had no idea that that uh, Lou Diamond Phillips was even a writer. I mean, other than for movies. <clears throat> um, I just stumbled upon one of his tweets one day that he was talking about his book is coming out in a few months. And it's a science fiction book. Uh, and I was like, what? So through my show's uh, Twitter page, I happened to be the first commenter on this like hey well you'll have to come on the show and we'll discuss the book and he goes hey sounds great and then i get a message from him and he's like yeah hey i'll uh, get you in touch with my people and then you know they'll reach out to your people and we'll set something up and i'm like <laughs> i'm like looking at my wife going like look at this he's going to talk to my people i'm going to talk to his people we're going to set this up and it was just total luck um but we I mean, we don't really stay in touch, but like I have uh, tweeted back to him a couple of times. He's talking about the sequel and I mentioned like, hey, got to get you back. And he says, oh, absolutely. I had a great time the first time. So we'll do it again. So we'll see. Um, Diane Franklin's been on twice. Uh, the first time she came on was discussing her biographies about growing up. And then uh, we stayed in touch uh, through email a little bit. She was trying to help me get set up with like, a, oh, I forget his name now, um, but he played Booger in the... Um, uh revenge of the nerds yeah movies. i know i knew immediately who you like i'm seeing him in my mind but I, his name <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah and his name just escaped me uh he's she was in trying uh, to... american dad too yeah uh, yeah uh, i can't remember trying to trying to help me uh, get hooked up with him but he hasn't responded to anything yet but then uh, but she came back on again when she wrote a uh a bio behind the scenes thing about uh better off dead and uh, we had a good time with that and uh so yeah, I get to stay in touch a little bit with her. That's pretty cool. Um, and then some of the other authors that have been like best-selling, New York Times best-sellings, I hear from them once in a while, or we'll kind of give a little feedback back and forth. And that's that's pretty cool. That's like, man, I get to talk to some of these people. This is like really cool. Like, and they're I'm like, I feel like I'm just nobody. But then I'll talk to an author who's brand new. I'm their first show they've ever been on. And they're looking at me like, what do I do with this? And oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm on your show. And I'm like, oh man, really? Like, it's like, but <laughs> that's so cool though, that they feel the same way that I feel talking with other people, you know, and it's, 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 you never know how you're going to affect somebody else and, and you know, what that, what may come from that. Yeah, for sure. It is, it is interesting how there are levels of fame. Um, so uh, I guess just moving on real quickly, were you, uh, who were you influenced by? Who were some of your favorite writers? Uh, oh, man. I, you know, in the beginning, I was influenced very much by um, actually 80s movies growing up. The 80s action movies is what always influenced me because I grew up writing adventure stories of my friends and I. Uh, you know, back in the 80s, we were always worried about the Russians are going to invade, you know, so like Red Dawn and, you know, any kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone movie, you know, so I'm writing adventure stories about my friends and I saving the school from terrorist attack or, you know, whatever, you know, the Russians coming in. <clears throat> um, 
different things like that, or that we became a commando unit. Now we're going over into the jungle somewhere. Right uh, so, <laughs> nice. You know, so we're, there was things like that. Um, and then I started taking classes and learning some things. And, and you know, a lot of that gets kind of poo-pooed uh, from there. Uh, so I kind of toned it down. I was trying to learn some of the techniques and some of the, uh, you know, structure and, and so on. And, and you got to learn that stuff. But uh, once I got, once I became serious about writing, I, by then I'd been re- uh, reading more. Um, that's when I'd found Steve Alton. So I was reading more of his stuff and I really liked those monster books. Um, Robert McCammon is somebody who I just adore his books. Um, and he, he will write something that's like realistic, like, okay, here's a, a British spy that's going to invade into uh, Germany during World War II. And it's all the spy stuff that you could think of. Oh, but he's also a werewolf. <laughs> yeah so it's like uh, there's this throw you know this thing that's like out of the left side and like oh this is so cool and <laughs> he's got that series uh, or a couple of books that he did um he's got some other ones called uh, boy's life that uh, as a dad as a son i mean i you're going to cry uh if you read that book and uh, but it's also just so cool um I, there were so many things that he was he just taps into that mentality of what it was like growing up um and uh, the things the relationship you had with your bike uh you know all kinds of things like that um so that that was really like one of my big influences uh whenever i began writing and i wanted to touch into that i love being able to write something that's realistic as can be but also with something just like what what where did that come from how is this why is there a monster in this you know or something so that's kind of been kind of an influence but i'm kind of coming back around to my 80s roots again lately right well i i totally down with the 80s like anything to do with commando rambo rocky (laughs) any of that stuff i i too was a a writer from around fifth grade like i said never really have the desire to publish anything but my my friends went from being detectives to being uh street fighter slash mortal combat fighters (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah. so so we, we did a, a similar uh, kind of uh, group activity uh, at least in in my writing um i do have a couple more here before but before i uh dig back in i wanted to give dan a chance to ask anything or, or touch on anything that might have interested interested him up to now yeah what got you into what got you into writing is it something that just you, you know from a you young know. age or yeah, yeah, as from a young age, it was something I didn't quite realize about myself. That it was something I wanted to do. I just did it. I, I was always very creative. I always liked I liked being um doing art and uh, building things. I, I love having a creative outlet. And I've picked up a lot of hobbies over the years with modeling and different things and different stuff. Um, but I always come back to storytelling. And even it, whether I'm writing it down or whether I'm making it up on the fly just to tell a story around the campfire with my kids and telling them, you know, something about this creature in the woods and it's, you know, waiting for you to throw a marshmallow at it. Uh, you know, something just nuts like that. Um, it was something that was just always there. And my wife has always encouraged it. She, you know, she started that classes and then uh, whenever, what, what came down to was whenever I found out I was going to be a grandpa, that's when I was like, Oh crap. I, I was supposed to be a writer by now. I wanted to have a career by now. So that's when I got serious about it. And another one of those looking in the mirror moments, like, okay, am I, am I do, what am I doing to follow my dreams? You know, like, well, I'm getting up in the mornings and I'm watching DVR or I'm playing Xbox or, 
you know, getting a lot of achievements and, uh, you know, I got a great score, but, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe my, maybe my grandkids will love that one day, but <laughs> I, I like having the legacy of, Hey, here's some of my books I wrote. Uh, right. I like that better than my Xbox scores. Uh, right. So I, <laughs> so I, I got, I got serious about that. Uh, now I'd wake up in the morning and start writing and uh, joined a local writing group and uh, went from there and just kind of all of a sudden it started coming together and it's, it's been a lot of fun ever since. So you said you, when you started, or I guess when you started out, correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, because uh, you gave us a lot, gave me a lot of info. Um, you said when you started out, you, your influence was kind of like 80s movies, right? Yeah. So how much is your style? You said you're coming back to that kind of now, but how much did it change and kind of flow and then come back to over the years that you've been doing it? Like what, um, what other, what, like you said, you started with like 80s action movies, but like, what did it? did it turn into something else and you just weren't happy or is it just something you just, man, I love these eighties, this eighties stuff. I want to get back to it. Well, yeah. I mean, cause there for a while, I kind of fell into the trap of, well, you gotta have, um, you gotta write great literature. You gotta have flowing sentences. You gotta have a great style. You gotta do all this kind of stuff. And I was trying so hard to write like other people and, and other ways for, for a long time. And, I think that's what causes people to spin their wheels for a long time is you're stuck trying to do something that you're not. And my first book, I've worked on it for nine years, um, just on and off again until finally I, I, I what I did was I finally, uh, you know, November's coming up and there's NaNoWriMo that happens every year. So I'd been rewriting those first like four or five chapters for years and just thinking like, ah, let me do it again. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. And I finally was like, okay, I'm in the writing group now. They're giving me great advice. They're giving me good tips. And everybody's inviting me to try out NaNoWriMo. So you write a novel, a 50,000 word novel in the month. I thought, let me just start over. Maybe I'll, if I just get rid of that critical part of my brain and just focus on getting the words down, I'll find my voice and go from there. And it worked for me. That, that worked. I sat down. Every time I'd sit down and start thinking like, what's a good way to say this phrase? And I was like, no, just, just write whatever's basic, come back to it later um, to edit. And so I would just move on, even if I just wrote something as simple as, and he ate her, you know, the, the, the monster. <laughs> yeah. um, going from there and I just move on. And then I'd come back to it later on. And then in editing, I can go, Oh yeah. Okay. Cause then it kind of comes back to, you. you're not as focused on, Hey, I'm trying to write, you know, two, three, 5,000 words today. It's, I'm just trying to edit this paragraph because the rest of it's all right. But here's this paragraph where it's like one line, like, okay, what was I trying to say about this creature or this you know, moment? And once the pressure's off, you can edit it better. So that was, that was something. And it's, uh, letting go of, of that pressure to write something so flowery and so um, literate uh, was nice. And now I'm coming around like with my, my current series, it's more pulpy. It's just action and a lot of uh, quips, you know, from the eighties and stuff like that. And just having fun with it, you know, and it's yeah. just keeping it flowing. Awesome. Yeah. I can, uh, I can definitely, relate to what you're talking about um i'm not so much a, a book or story writer well 
guess music tells a story. I like to write mm -hmm. music. I've been a, uh, my mom got me my first guitar when I was right before I turned 15. So since then, off and on for almost 20 years now, uh, not a, I'm not any kind of awesome musician, but I just, you know, it's, it's a hobby. I haven't picked it up in a while. I need to, I get the itch and I need to, yeah, I think about it almost every day now. So that's telling me, Hey, pick it back up. But no, yeah. when I, when I would write, um, even the music part of it, just without the words, um, I, like you said, I would like your, he ater or whatever the monster ater. And then I would be like, all right, just do this simple chord change. And then you can come up and maybe dress it up later. Or yeah. like, that's where my phone or something, I would record what I had and then listen back to it and be like, Hey, I can add that there. Kind of like what you said with editing, I can add that there, or I can change this a little bit or maybe rearrange some stuff. And, and mm -hmm. then when it came to the, to the words, same thing, like you said, just write in my head, I just write like my idea and like words down. And then you kind of organize it and rearrange it and make, make my little three minute, four minute, five minute story out of my thing. So yeah, I can, I can definitely tell, I can relate to where you're coming from with that on a smaller scale, <laughs> but it, it helps me to do like that. Like you said, you just write something kind of simple quote unquote, and then you can come back later and like you said, dress, dress it up or, or make it more descriptive or whatever you're looking for. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how I would, like you said, just get it out there and then you can come back and mess with it later and tweak it. One of the, uh, one of the authors I talked to, he, he had a great phrase and I don't know if this is his or not, but I've heard him say it several times. And it's you, <laughs> uh, he's like, you know, you gotta, uh, you gotta get the words on the page because you can't, you can't polish a turd if it's not there. <laughs> true <laughs> yep so and it just i got to thinking about that i was like wait so is he saying that my writing's a turd and then, <laughs> I, and then i realized like, oh yeah okay yeah Every, when you're first writing yeah it is it is shit so i mean it's yeah you gotta come back to it and then you can start cleaning it up and they're like oh hey look what's here i got <laughs> something so <laughs> um okay so these last few we're gonna do and, you know, and really take your time if you want to. But for the most part, uh, these are simple questions that you can kind of wrap it through if you, if you want to. Um, first, do you outline your stories or do you go by the Stephen King method, for lack of a better way? You just kind of like right by your seat of your pants. Ah, uh, a little bit of both. Kind of a I'm kind of a planter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, my first book, I'd worked on it for so long that once I finally got going on it, like I knew what I wanted to do. So I, I think I'd outlined it in my mind for so long. I, I finally got there. I always knew how it was going to end. That's, that's the weird thing is I have an idea of how my stories are going to start maybe, but I always have an ending in mind and it's just getting to that end. Um, same thing with my second story, my second one, that was one I didn't plan any of it. I just had this idea. I knew how it would end and I just sat down and started going to it. I wrote that one pretty quick. I wrote that one in just a few months. Uh, which was mind blowing for me after spending years on my first book. Um, now I have learned the, uh, you know, what's good about planning out some of your writing. Um, now that I have a series in mind, the book one, no problem. Again, I'm just, I know what I want to do with book one. Let's just go with it. Let's have fun. Book two though, I got halfway through book two and realized I'm writing stuff down for book three. I was trying to figure out why am I struggling with this? Why is it? Wait a minute. Why is he here? He's not supposed to be here yet. I'm like, oh, crap. So I had like I had like six or eight chapters I had to take out and oh, put man. into another file for, for book three later on. 
and then go back to it. And then, so what I did was I started, I, I write with Scrivener and Scrivener allows you to move your work around. Um, so you can actually plan out different chapters. And what's been fun is even if I like, if I decide later on like, okay, yeah, you know what, this should really come first. Instead of like in a word, you got to copy paste and search for it and find it. This is all mapped out like on a cork board and you can just like, oh yeah, chapter four is now one uh, chapter eight is now 16. Uh, you can move it around and it's, it's so cool. It's very intuitive and uh, makes it a lot easier. So, so that was cool. That made it easier. So I went ahead in um, the rest of book two for my, my bandit series. I just started like, okay, here, he's going to go here. Then he's going to go this, then he's going to find worlds of fun. And then he's going to find this and that. And just simple lines so that way each chapter I would know where I'm going with it and I could stay away from my ideas for the next book. Right on. Cool. I'm, I'm getting like good advice if I ever do feel like taking anything further. Um, <laughs> so you you kind of sort of uh, touched on this. So I'll go ahead and, and ask this one next. Do you write chronologically or do you try to write chronologically or are you just as happy writing the ending first since you know that already? I, you know, I, I do write chronologically. Um, every once in a while, uh, like when I first did that NaNoWriMo, I would skip a chapter. If I did not know what I was doing, I'll write a simple line, maybe like um, big fight scene here, move on. Wow, and, okay. and so just you skip an, an entire chapter. I would jump. Yeah, I'll jump. Yeah, maybe even a couple of chapters just to get into Because like in, in uh, during NaNoWriMo, you're trying to reach that goal of 50,000 words. And if I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Um, so I'll skip over it. So that first time I did it, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm done. I finished the book and I go back and I'm reading. And then I come across, you know, something happens here. <laughs> oh yeah. What was going to happen here? Oh yeah, that's right. I was, this is what's going to happen. But you know, that goes back to like we were talking about. I mean, by then I knew what I wanted to happen, but yeah, chronologically, this is what I write to all of it just because it's it's getting to the ending that I already know is going to happen. And sometimes it changes a little bit. Um, sometimes the killer is different than what I had in mind by the time I get there. Okay. This is not the next question, but <laughs> you, you said something. So when you say the killer is not who you had in mind, do you mean that you get to the end and suddenly like that character is doing something else and is no longer the ki the killer or that character is no longer in the story and the killer is someone else? I it, kind of all of the above. I, I wow, it's, so it could be yeah. anything then. Yeah, things can change dramatically uh, yeah. from what I had in mind. Um, I, I've had I've had moments where I had a character I inserted to fill out a scene, and then all of a sudden that character came back. And when you get into some of those flow states, it's it's weird because you hear people, you hear some of us crazy authors talk about like, oh yeah, I can hear the the characters talking to me and. I kind of understand what they're talking about because you get a character that wants to tell you like, Hey, yeah. And then I did this and then I did this and I'm going wait, you're a, you're like a fourth level character. You're not even supposed to be here, like get out of this. And so then I got to look at it too, though, and go, wait, all right. So is what's happening though? Good. Is it going to, is it going to change everything too dramatic from what I have in place? Or can I save this for maybe another story? Um, so that's kind of a, you know, an interesting aspect of it too is to go from there um and see so yeah, so maybe like the ending is not what i wanted uh my second book i i knew how it was going to end but i didn't know who 
was the killer, uh, whether or not the person I had in mind was going to be the killer or whether they were not going to be, if it was all set up. Um, right it, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't until I got there that I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it has to be this. You almost found out with the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, two more real quick questions. Uh, well, hopefully this last one, this will, <laughs> this last one might be a bit complicated. But uh, first off, and, you know, the, the background kind of hints at this, but uh, what would you consider your favorite genre? Or what genre do you write in? Um, I write in thriller uh, genres, but I, I kind of expand out to wherever. So like my first one was a paranormal thriller, um, kind of kind of in the line of like the old 80s slasher movies. It's um, I didn't realize it was going to be young adult when I wrote it. Um, but when I was done, uh, everybody's like, man, this is a great young adult you know, novel because it follows this teenage girl and things. And I was like, oh, yeah, it, yeah, OK. Uh, so I had to touch up a few scenes so that they weren't quite as graphic or as what it was. So that way I can. Uh, listed on Amazon for young adult uh, without getting into trouble. Um, but I still feel a little weird whenever somebody comes to me and like, oh, yeah, my 13-year-old, could they read this? I'm like, <laughs> that's not my place to decide. Like, uh, I don't know what your 13-year-old can read. Um, so I'll, I'll tell the parent, like, well, there's, you know, this happens and this happens. So, you know, maybe you can use that as a talking point right on. Uh, you know, and go from there. Yeah, um, I've actually heard that a lot of writers that, you know, they were like, I wrote the story that I wanted to, to write. And then my agent was like, oh, so this is going to be for young adults. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My second one was a psychological thriller. And then I wrote, I'm writing a, I call it a 80s retro sci-fi series um, is the one I'm writing right now. That's the one that takes place in the 80s. It's, it's a mixture of V the miniseries with Red Dawn and a little blast from the past. Uh, oh, well, I always say that the best <laughs> the best ideas are combinations of different genres thrown together. It's, yeah, you I can't just write a story anymore that's just like, okay, this guy's a detective and he solves the crime. You know, like you have to be like, oh, and he's also a werewolf or, you know, or yeah. like yeah, he, it's the he things kills people are, in his sleep or something. The things that are special to you, I think, is when we write our best. Um, now you can get, well, even, I mean, I, I was invited to an anthology last year and I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I had this like a little bit of an idea and I still tied into that story with stuff that I like um, music, uh, you know, easy seventies music was what I tapped into with that story. Little Michael and, McDonald. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was like, do you like pina coladas? Mm -hmm. I had, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was, you know, I had, my uh, playlist was playing a lot of that while I'm writing this little short story uh, about a fudge factory. And I'm just cracking myself up with this little story. And then I got an invite to come back again and the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, now it's just uh, going into the writer side of it and uh, to see what can be influenced. And you just never know, I guess. Right on. It is. It's interesting how life uh, will take you. Uh, especially in your situation, uh, I like from where we started in the beginning, I uh, would not have thought even knowing your life. Uh, it's it's strange that we've got here to the end, you know, as a published writer, it's just uh, not something you would expect. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and bypass this last question just in the interest of time and let Dan get anything out that he had uh, remaining before we kick it to you to uh, move into promotion mode. Uh, Dan, did you have anything? 
Uh, more of a comment on I the last time I, I we were talking about um, how my music and stuff, how I take a lot of what you said is very similar to how I feel about writing music. Um, hmm. One of the other things I, I was going to say, but I kind of forgot until Corey took over. Um, when you said try not to write like somebody's take somebody's style that that hit home with me too because i was stuck in a rut one time or a lot i get stuck in a rut like oh i want to write like motley Crue or i want to write like metallica and i'm mm -hmm. just like but you're not freaking metallica you're not nikki six and you're not you know kirk hammett you're you write like you don't write yeah. like them i mean you'll hear you know what i like to listen to you'll hear my in the influence that they give you but don't try to write a metallica song write something it's yours you know mm -hmm. don't don't try to copy or you know use that as a template yes but don't don't be don't try to be them because it's it's not gonna you'll have more trouble and you'll get frustrated and you just you'll want to quit more often than you already <laughs> do probably sometimes i know there's a lot of times where i just want to throw my guitar away and quit but um <laughs> but no you, you you keep going but yeah i just want to comment on that oh and and while you, you were talking sorry to make noise but you were talking about your little girl after taking a bath going out and getting dirty well i had these in my pocket they're little rocks for the listening audience my daughter picked these up on our walk earlier and they were in my back pocket digging away at my ass so yeah you need to hold on to those for her huh yeah yeah hey daddy hold these They're like yeah okay yeah. but yeah so yeah i know exactly where you're coming from with the whole girls will be boys kind of thing <laughs> right on yeah uh, for me, That's it's awesome. uh, it's Buckeyes, uh, the little uh, oh, brown yeah. acorn looking things. Uh, he's just like he wants to collect them. I don't know uh, until he doesn't. And then he doesn't care anymore. So uh, that pretty much, like I said, is the extent of all of our uh, varied questions. We, uh, you know, jumped you back and forth from from topic to topic. And we apologize for not having a little bit more organized than that. But as I said, this part we want to give to you to kind of uh, hit anything that you, you you didn't or re-hit anything that you want to spend more time on as far as what you got going on. I know you got your podcast. You obviously uh, got some books, uh, may have one coming out soon. And so uh, go ahead and take this time to tell our uh, well, surprisingly growing audience uh, about what you've got going on. <laughs> uh, th thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've got the, the Sample Chapter podcast. That's uh, <clears throat> uh, almost bi-weekly anymore i'll have an author and I, I changed the format recently where one week i do the interview and then the next week is the chapter reading by the uh, the guest and uh that'll come on there so i'm featuring them for two weeks and promoting them and i actually came up with that idea when my first book was coming out i was trying to figure out like okay you know i was thinking about maybe doing a podcast and how would i how would i promote my books and how do i do this kind of stuff and all of a sudden i realized oh i could put the two together and talk to other authors and make a platform for them to come on. So I've been doing this since, uh, yeah, 2018. Um, and, uh, there was four years of that being weekly. And uh, about the time I hit episode 200 was when I kind of had a little bit of a burnout and a lot of things happened in my personal life where uh, things changed, my schedule changed and all that. So now it's been kind of every other week almost and, and uh, getting my schedules, but I'm, I'm keeping up with it. Still uh, doing regular episodes and uh, until the day that comes that I can do some more, but shows available on all platforms, um, anywhere you want to go to uh, find it, including YouTube. Um, whenever you go to YouTube, you'll see the book cover for the book that they're reading from. And that seems to be a pretty cool thing. Everybody really likes that because 
even though we shouldn't, we still judge a book by its cover. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I pray, you know, they see something they like and that's what they want to hear from. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, I've got, uh, my books are out there. It's, it's, uh, that time of year where my first book, uh, the paranormal book seems to start picking up and selling again. Uh, and that one's based on a urban legend, a ghost story where I grew up uh, about a haunted bridge. Cool. And, uh, that one, it, 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 like I said, it always seems to pick up around this time of year. And, uh, so that's a lot of fun. Um, I've got my series. It's called the bandit Chronicles. Uh, like I said, that's a, 80s this is my love story to the 80s essentially i mean it's in essence it's a uh, a kid who goes into hiding he has a neighbor that had a bunker built in under his under his house that he thought nobody knew about but of course all the kids knew about it uh, so when aliens invade in late 89 uh he and his brother go into hiding into this bunker and uh, his brother doesn't make it but the boy spends the next several years learning how to fight by watching VHS movies of Schwarzenegger and Stallone and all the action movies. And now he comes back out with a uh, crocodile Dundee hat and a sword. You know? <laughs> there can be only one. Nice. He's, he's taken the fight back to the, uh, back to the aliens. He drives a, uh, a Trans Am. So that's where everybody starts calling him bandit. Hell yeah. And uh, the first book was a whole lot of fun to write. I just went nuts with it. And uh, with all of my, stuff I could do. That was another thing where I did not know what was going to happen until all of a sudden, Oh, Hey, Molly crew was doing on tour in Missouri at that point. So they're in my first book. Uh -huh. um, right on. <laughs> um, I had, uh, have a big finale at Arrowhead stadium, uh, which that's been a, a fun aspect to us. I try to have pick you know, places that I can put into it. So book two that I'm writing right now, there's a place called Subtropolis. It's in northern Kansas City, and it's an underground uh, limestone cavern that's uh, been around for decades. And uh, the Hunt family, actually, they started this and they turned it into storage. And you've got film storage, all kinds of anything you can imagine is there. Um, I believe that's the, uh, the biggest collection of stamps um, from the post office is there as well, because it's the perfect climate. Anyway, uh, See, so yeah, Bandit is trying to secure this location for the rebellion that he is now officially a, a part of uh, and helping them out. He's trying to secure this location uh, to help them out. And then there's a big finale at uh, Worlds of Fun. All right, so uh, have you have you been to all these places personally or did like just read about them, found them interesting, wanted to, to write about them? Uh, Worlds of Fun, I've been to several times. Arrowhead, I've been to a couple of times. Subtropolis, I have an aunt who actually worked in it for 20 something years with the post office so i was talking to her getting some information i talked to or emailed uh one person from their office or the main subtropolis office uh, wanted to get some more information but kind of like what happened with uh, arrowhead uh the people that were like don't worry about it You're like we're, we can't give you all the secrets about the, the stadium but you know whatever you make up will be fine and i was like okay cool so yeah i just kind of making it up and just using my uh imagination um it's like uh you know that works so. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds plausible enough yeah. Uh, yeah i mean in a book with aliens you could go pretty far and no one's going to really question you yeah i mean and those the, and those are things that I'm like ah eh, you know this doesn't have to be you know that big of a deal the, the toughest thing i had for that was for that series was trying to figure out uh when are the aliens going to attack because anything after that date there's no more movies i can't 
use music or movie references oh, from past yeah. that. So there is no Christmas vacation. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, like I had it queued up oh. and everything. And I was like, wait a minute, can I use this line? I can't use this line. <laughs> oh my gosh, but I can use Scrooge. So yeah. that works. You know, I can, I had to go through, I have Young Guns 1. I don't have Young Guns 2. Wow. Um, You've also got Ghostbusters if you want it. I have Ghostbusters. Yep. So that's Just been. Just watched that last night. <laughs> so I had had different things like that but yeah uh, book two is uh band uh book one's bandit rising that's already available and book two is uh, bandit underground and that's coming out in december right on i'm gonna write that uh yeah anything else that you had going on that we uh that we hadn't touched on oh boy uh, uh so i got the anthology story that I'm, I'm writing right now that's gonna come out sometime next year um, and that's about a fictional town in Missouri. And we're all writing uh, stories that are, we're working together to make it a cohesive or each story could cross-reference another story within the the book. Um, when I did that last year with that story, with my, my fudge company story, it had some nods here and there, but most of the, most of the time we didn't know each other's stories that well. So there was like, Oh, somebody died here, but then they're back in this story. So we had some little, things like that. So now we're working together a little bit better with this anthology so we uh, don't have that kind of mistakes and, and reference, uh, you know, a location or something. That's, that's fun, but hopefully next year I'll have a uh, book three with bandit and maybe another standalone story, uh, just depending on what time does and um, see what, uh, what kind of authors I can get uh, for, uh, for the show then next year as well, but hoping to get out into more, um, events next year and really start establishing um, getting kind of my writer and author and show life kind of back together and on schedule again. Right on. Uh, one last thing I did want to touch on since you, I mentioned it just then uh, you kind of touched on it at tangentially at times. Could you give any advice to those dads out there that like you, like me, you know, we have a short period of free time each day. And we typically have to fill that with, uh, in your case, it might be writing or uh, maybe podcasting, maybe working out. How do you, in your personal life, decide how you're going to devote that time? Because you said at one time you were uh, apparently really uh, you, know, you know, overweight. You're clearly not anymore. <laughs> so how did you find you know, your uh, kind of equilibrium with that? Um, I, you know, it, it just comes back to that man in the mirror moments um deciding what's important to you and and determining am i doing what i can do to reach the goals that i want to do so you know am i doing what i need to do as a father am i doing what i need to do as as a husband and going above and beyond in those aspects um and then it, it comes down to okay so if you're sitting down and just watching reruns could you be doing some writing at the same time. And I do a lot of my writing in the evenings as well uh, when my wife and I are watching reruns. Um, if we're watching something new, laptop goes away, you know, it's we have focus time together so we can watch something together. But if we're watching reruns of something and it's just on for background noise, you know, usually she's playing a game on her phone and I'm, I can type away and I'd be doing that or even editing an upcoming episode. Uh, but mornings were my my big time. That was where I realized like, okay, how much sleep do I need to function? And then when can I get up so I can get up? And now it's like, okay, I got to get up. I got to uh, work out, 
and then I start writing. Um, I've got you know things to do before I go to work, and then um, now I have. <laughs> uh, it's become such a part of my life now that I, I fit in my writing wherever I can. Um, I, I finished my second book in line at the movie theater on my phone. <laughs> I was waiting to see the uh, the last Avengers movie, and uh, literally I got it done. We were. We were getting our concessions, so we went and sat down. I picked my phone back up, and I was typing away through the, the the opening credits, and then hit stop and showed it to my wife, and she was just like, "That's great, shut up, movie's on." I was like, <laughs> "But I I couldn't relax because I knew I was like right there at the end of it. I I had to get it out because uh, I was not going to be able to watch the movie. I'd be thinking about, uh, you know, what if they did this instead? And, um, yeah, just just." making the time, you know, looking, look at your life, be realistic with yourself. Um, you know, it's where can you, where can you make some changes to go for your goals that you want to do, whether it's working out, whether it's, um, you know, finding a hobby or, uh, or writing or whatever, um, you know, and, and not to say that any of the other is a bad thing. I still, I still like to play some games on my phone and I still, We'll pick up the Xbox every once in a while. Like I had knee surgery last year, and perfect opportunity for me to pick up uh, what was it, Far Cry? And That's a just, good one. Just be obsessed for a week or two until it was time to get back to the real world. Right on. Yeah, I, here lately, I don't have as nearly as much time to really get down on the video games as I used to. But I did love me some Far Cry, some Skyrim, some Grand Theft. Oh gosh. Yep. Uh, you know, Assassin's Creed, all all the hits. You know. I, they hooked me just like they did everybody else. And it's almost a pain not to be able to, to play some of them. Sometimes I see, you know, yet another sequel coming out and I haven't even played the one before that. And I'm just like, Oh my God, what's wrong with me. Yep. Uh, but that's interesting. That's good advice. And I appreciate you, you know, you're bringing honesty with that uh, as well as um, you know, some, some wisdom as well. So we're going to wind things down here at the end. And as I usually do, I'm going to kick it to Dan. Dan, you can uh, throw out anything else that might have come up, you know, uh, in your head. And uh, other than that, you know, take us down to everybody's favorite part of the show. All right. No, I, I'm good. I don't have anything else. And uh, we always end on a on a high note. We have a running joke for the to the visual audience. So forgive me for my prop. But I like to give a dad <laughs> joke. And this is the dad joke championship belt. We're both rest, huge wrestling fans. So what better uh, what better way? All right dad joke time what do you call a wreath made of 100 dollars bills uh, at this point i don't know why i even try to think of an answer because <laughs> i've i don't think i've ever answered one you, you say that every episode yeah, i forget it every episode <laughs> uh man got me i don't know all right what do you call a wreath of 100 dollars bills aretha franklin's God, it's always so simple. It's always right there in front of me. It's like all you've did is hold up a, a clear sheet with a light behind it, and yet I still can't see it. All right. Well, that was a good that one, though. Good. You know, that, yep. that made me smile and it made my brain hurt all at the same time. <laughs> it's amazing. We we cut these, uh, I may or may not have mentioned this, but we cut the, the best of these out into reels and post them on all the social medias. And for some unknown reason, the dad jokes tend to get the most views. Uh, I don't know if it's just a universal thing these days that everybody loves dad jokes, even if you're not a dad, but uh, they will get into the thousands sometimes. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> so thank you for fulfilling your responsibilities there, Dan. You've uh, more than likely 
managed to hold on to that belt yet another week. I've not got any emails or texts nope. or direct messages about uh, anyone challenging. So uh, Big Daddy Dan's going to go ahead and, and hold on to that title for yet another week. Here one day soon, we're going to be talking about Roman Reigns' length. He's going to be holding Who? for you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Who? Who? I don't care nothing about we'll that. Into, we'll get into Bruno San Martino range here pretty soon. Uh, oh, geez. Well, a thousand or something days. It was like years. I think Six at some years, point, seven years. We might have to have a challenger for that to hold any any weight. <laughs> I don't think he can go six or seven years with zero challengers and, and <laughs> still be respectable. Um, so, once again, uh, if I haven't said it already, uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. You yeah, were super fun to talk to. Even if I personally am more interested in in what you got to say, maybe than some of our non writer fans, but you you made me. I mean, like I said, I, I've never really uh, lately had the itch to publish but you've definitely given me the itch to like break out my notebook again and get, you know, get some lines down. I, there were, you were like, you would say something and I'd be like, Oh yeah. But, but. I'm like, no, this isn't about you. This isn't about you. <laughs> no. Like I, I know you want to say, Oh, you do this or, you know, you like that, but just let him talk. So uh, once again, you know, I appreciate all you you've given us as far as your time and, and your knowledge. And uh, Dan, thanks again for, for, uh, you know, taking the time. I know you got to get yeah. to, get to that little girl and put her to bed. So yep. um, you guys uh, have a good rest of your weekend. And uh, from your two dads, I guess I will check you later. Check you later. See you, everybody. Thanks a lot. I want you to know it's over. Well. Smell that, Bill? Smells like someone died.